This is Radical Learning Talks with Sadi Gonzalez and Becca Koritz. We're super excited to have Bria Bloom in the house today. Among many things, Bria is a born and raised unschooler, youth rights advocate, and the executive director of the Alliance for Self-Directed Education. Bria shares her perspective on the different flavors of unschooling, the intersectionality of de-schooling, and about her experience in the SDE world. For another episode and today we have Bria Bloom with us who is frozen on the screen so Bria are you there <laughs> are we just starting this I have no idea I, maybe we should go back to the wi-fi yeah it's not yeah working. let's go back to okay. the wi-fi we're gonna try it again that was the best intro I've ever heard <laughs> okay Bria are you there yeah you froze for okay. a while okay yeah we froze yeah I did the whole thing I was like we're Bria we're here with Bria and <laughs> um so yeah we're back with another episode we have Bria Bloom in the house super excited to have you join us today Bria yeah I mean can you just introduce yourself briefly to folks like who who are you and anything you want to share about yourself and then we'll just dive in there's so much to talk about yeah um as Saudi said, I'm Bria Bloom. I work currently with the Alliance for Self-Directed Education, which is global, more recently, more global um, network. I know we're so excited. <laughs> uh, supports SDE, self-directed education, unschooling, all the flavors of it around the world. Um, it's more of a network and support system. So maybe we'll talk more about that. I also was unschooled growing up. So I kind of lived this world. We didn't have that word necessarily, but it was in the like philosophy of John Holt because that was the main resource back then. Um, so it really was, when I look back on it, it was unschooling, even though we didn't claim the term at the time. I claim it now. What else? I have a 11 year old stepson here who's also unschooled, has been to SDE centers before. And we have a baby on the way in a couple of weeks. Yeah. They'll be unschooled too. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, we were just joking. We're like, so are you going to like experiment and send your your daughter to conventional school? <laughs> I get so far outside of my realm of understanding. I can't even imagine why we would do that. Although if she wants to, that's always a thing to navigate. Right. But yeah. think about that for a while. <laughs> yep. Yeah. What else? Um, I run a flying squad here in Portland, uh, which is like a, we don't have a specific center. So we meet up in public places and then ask the kids, what do you want to do today? And anything that we can get to and do without spending a bunch of extra money, they can do. And that's actually also like a now global network. So there's flying squads all over. And that just kind of de developed naturally. I'll stop there, I guess. <laughs> I know, you can just go on and on. Yeah, this is like the main things that I'm excited about and involved in right now. I've always thought it's so cool that you grew up as an unschooler and you are like so heavily involved in the self-directed education movement. You know, like it's, and, and we, talk, we talk about this a lot, like unschooling, whatever it was called before or not called, it's a lifestyle, right? It's not like you, you just, you go to unschooling this or that. It's, and so I think you're just like a perfect example of that, you know, of, of that, this, um, well, yeah, I guess maybe let's start there. Like, 
what, what is unschooling for you and what is this unschooling lifestyle and kind of how, how have you been living as an unschooler throughout your life? It's a big question. I'm sorry. And I think sometimes people, especially people who aren't in movement, think of unschooling. They're like, it's an alternative to school. It's just about education. They think the longer you're in it, um, and I'm sure you two can speak to this as well, the more you realize it's intersected with how you live life, what jobs you work, how you define happiness, um, how you look at the world in a bunch of different ways. So like for me, it started with being an unschooler and then it seeped into all these other intersections of anti-oppression work, liberation work. So for me, even the word unschooling means so much more than just alternative to education. I know that's not true for everyone, but in my life, that's how it's played out, how it lives. Was that the case growing up, like with your family too? Did they see unschooling as that or did they kind of go into unschooling for other reasons? That's a good question. Um, I think they really saw, like my dad saw conventional school as harmful and it was harmful to him Mm -hmm. and my mom in a different way. So I think it really was about pulling us out of school, but there were definitely seeds planted about other ways of I don't know, questioning the world, questioning what people tell you, questioning like nine to five conventional jobs and working in jobs that you don't like, or just like all these things that I think a lot of people take for granted and think we think we're stuck in because some of us are. Um, My parents definitely had different ideas about them and planted seeds, even though I don't think they would go as far as like me and my brother have with our uh, thought processes. I think that's super interesting to hear, Bria, because like I know a couple of other grown unschoolers. um, And I think that there are a couple of things that define all of you, uh, at least the people that I have gotten to know. And it is like this instead of being so focused on like getting someplace, it seems like all of you are like kind of just enjoying life so much and letting life evolve. And so you evolve with life. Would you say that that is true for you too? Um, I plan things and I plan my future, but then realizing like, that's not actually me or what I want. Like, and then questioning, where's this idea that I need to plan a goal coming from. So I think there's something in me that like thinks I should be striving for something specific, but I always, I always move away from that. Like I always realize that's not what's making me happy. Um, it might just be societal conditioning that we all have mm-hmm. regardless of school. And yeah. yeah, I really built, I've always felt like I can ask for opportunities or look for opportunities. I guess there's some privilege in that feeling like I have a safety net. I have parents mm-hmm. that will take care of me if anything happens. Um, So there's a lot of privilege in that as well, I want to recognize. But just deciding that like, if I'm unhappy in something, I know I can find somewhere else to work or somewhere else to be. um, And I'm not like afraid of taking chances or trying something new. Mm -hmm. That's just kind of, I think that's how I designed my life when I was young. (laughs) Like the world was open to me in a way, like we didn't have a lot of money, so it wasn't open financially, but was open in terms of ideas and time. So I always had this chance to like practice what do I really want and how do I get it? 
Oh my God, I love hearing you say all these things, Bria, because also when you talk about privilege, like having this privileged situation that you knew that you could always fall back on your parents, I was thinking while you were saying it that that's the way it should be. Like I was just feeling like, oh my God, what if we could all grow up having a safety net around ourselves? Like having like, it doesn't have to be a large community, but like just having some more people around that can hold space so that we can do what you're actually doing, which is like discovering your path through taking initiatives and not being so afraid because I feel that Whenever I talk to grown up schoolers, it seems that so many of you have just this thing that you're describing, which is like, hmm, what makes me happy? You know, oh, I want to go where it feels good. And oh, how do I do this? Hmm, I have to take initiatives. It's like, it's so free and it's so freeing to listen to. And I also know that, of course, there must be other programmings that come from society and that we're all carrying anyway. But it sounds, um, oh, I don't know. It sounds yummy. It's like, that's... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's so funny because you said flavors, like the unschooling flavors earlier. Yes. And I was like, that is such a great way to describe <laughs> yes. it. It's yummy. And it's spicy sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like, hell yeah. spicy. <laughs> um, oh, Bria, like, so you, you use the word, the term intersectional. Um, or intersection or intersect, whatever you said, but it's intersection, right? There's so much. It's not just about don't go to school or don't send your kids to school. Um, and something that's been super interesting that I can relate to what you and Becca are, are sharing right now is Sai has, my son Sai has never been in a conventional setting ever, mm -hmm. but still I see the programmings. Like, all of a sudden I'm realizing like how competitive he is. He's doing this martial arts class and he's like, I got to get my belt. And I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm trying to de-school my kid. Where did he get this from? And so I think it's, it's really interesting that because we live in a world where there are so many isms, right? Adultism, racism, colorism, uh, you know, like, Ageism. ageism that it's even more like there are so many flavors and there's even more work that we need to do as unschooling parents because it simply is not about just not sending your kids to school right and so I'm curious where you are personally in that intersection um, in that work of de-schooling right of trying to understand the limits that society is putting on you as a, you know, soon to be mom um, and as a grown unschooler, like what that process is like for you. What's your practice? What does it look like? What does de-schooling for Bria look like right now? Yeah. Another huge question. Sorry. You're really Sorry. I know. And every time I ask a question, all these other questions come into my brain. It's yeah. just how my brain works. So please just yeah. pick any one of those topics that I tried to hide in one question. <laughs> and answer as you'd like. Intersection. <laughs> yeah. I think it's really easy to start with like, I'm pulling my kid out of school to protect their liberation and autonomy. And that is important like protecting our families from those oppressive systems but then for me it's like okay so my kid is out of this oppressive system 
other kids are still suffering and there's so many other oppressive systems that are affecting us and affecting everyone and the whole community. And I mean, you've probably had this said on your podcast a bunch of times, but it just reminds me of the old quote, like no one is free until we're all free. So then all of our liberation is tied up with one another. So I really center my own practice around that. Um, That doesn't mean I know that I'm perfect at it or that I know how to do it or what it means. It's just the the angle that I approach de-schooling and my work in self-directed education. And I try and really focus on that in my practice. Um, So like, for example, flying squad is something that I offer to young people, but our flying squad, I mean, we're also in Portland, Oregon, but it's like predominantly white kids right now. Um, It's also really hard for us to offer. I offer a sliding scale. I've never said no to anyone, but it's hard because then I'm not making enough money. Um, So just finding new ways to be like, how do we actually offer real scholarship? How do we reflect in our facilitators, people who aren't just white so that other kids feel comfortable being there because it's not just about bringing in people of color. It's like making sure it's a true safe reflective space for them um so that's like just thinking about the work I do in all the intersections of people who don't have access to this or who maybe want access but can't figure it out right now and how do I bring that into like every single thing I'm doing and it's so inspirational Bria like um if I can share and if it's not okay for you I can (laughs) take this out but, um, you know, you've been somebody of confidence that I've come to as a white woman doing this work, like, oh my gosh, I'm privileged. I fucked up. I said the wrong thing. That wasn't my intention. Like, what do I do to fix this? You know, and how, how can, how can I support the movement being, um, a white woman? And so you've given me a lot of great advice and I thank you for that. And, Um, I think it's a testament to the work that you're doing and your lens of center in your, your particular practice and your lens in your de-schooling work. Um, And so, yeah, I, I think it would, if, if I can ask, like, what has been helpful for you to develop that lens and what is your practice? Like, how are you educating yourself? How are you challenging yourself? How, how are you um, stepping, stepping up to your privilege, you know, and, and making change in your, in your own life around that. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. And I've screwed up also, like, it's no secret that like, even as had a big issue a couple years ago, that's public information. We own it. And I think sometimes it feels easier to step away and be like, I don't want to face this. But I I don't think it's about never messing up. I think it's about what do you do when you do mess up? Kind of as you said, sorry, sorry. Like, where do we go from here? And how does my practice change? And how do I own it? Um, So it really is, I think it can be really hard to feel like I'm the mess up. I'm going to be called racist or like whatever it is. But really, those are the moments when you have an opportunity to be like, I can own this and I can learn from this as opposed to run away from it even though it feels really hard sometimes. 
Um, so I think that's, that's a big part of my practice is just being, being open to messing up and then learning from that. Um, I think it's so interesting because now, now that I listen to you, I realize that there's so many layers in this and that obviously also school is a big part of this because you don't mess up in school. You will be punished and how hard it is to own our fuck ups when we have been punished for them since we were little. That is yeah. de-schooling. It's like big de-schooling doing that work. Yeah. And even watching ways communities, even some SDE centers, I mean, we're all working on it. It's really hard to unlearn like punishment systems, but the way we address when someone does mess up, sometimes there's punishment and there's shame just because it's naturally like what we go to, as I said, because it is really hard to unlearn it, not because these places aren't really trying. So shifting to like the restorative justice mindset, I think is really important because then it's like, well, if this person was harmed and this person harmed them, what does the harmed person actually need? Because I've also seen people like force apologies on harmed people and then those people have to accept the apologies and then it's actually not. You're deciding for them what they need. You didn't ask what they needed. It's like it becomes um, oppressive. <laughs> it's, yeah, you know, it's like it repeats the cycle of oppression. Yeah. And we're just, again... I just notice these patterns and in interactions I see with people. I notice them in TV shows and books because I start, once you start thinking about it, you see it everywhere, but it's still so natural. Like I'm sure I still do those things sometimes because there's so much for us to unlearn from how school, what schools taught us, what prison systems have taught us, like all of those things. Absolutely. It's all so tied together. Yeah, I was I was wondering if we could go from here into ASTI, like the Alliance for Self-Directed Education, like the work you do in there, like as a team, but also what you're what you're contributing with, but like presenting it to folks that aren't really aware that ASTI exists, because for me, it's been a like this amazing source of information and, and a place where I go if I need stuff and also a place where I can contribute. And, mm. and I love ASD. It's like one of the most important places. <laughs> so yeah, what is ASD? I like hearing that because sometimes I'm like, what is ASD? I know what ASD is for me, but I don't know what it is all the time for other people. Mm. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it really was imagined as a network all these, as I said, flavors of SDE to have an umbrella because you do have the unschoolers and the centers and the co-ops and the private SDE schools, and they're all amazing options for filling different needs. But I think that historically they've been a little separated and sometimes there's infighting. I mean, there still is in movements. There's, mm -hmm. there's infighting in movements, but it like coming, bringing all of those different aspects together and saying, hey, we all believe in the same values and philosophy. Can we have a movement that supports all these ways of doing this? Um, that was as these kind of original vision. And then it's like, okay, so now that we have that, how do we support people? And like legitimizing and normalizing the option, bringing more accessibility to the option, um, 
finding ways to connect people and community because a lot of what we do is just getting people contacting us saying like, hey, how do I find someone doing this? <laughs> like I'm all alone in my town and I feel so isolated and I just need someone who isn't telling me to send my kids back to school. Um, and now that looks like a ton of online community, especially for people in smaller areas with less unschoolers, but there's also so many local options. So building out those resources, knowing where they are and being able to connect people with each other has been really important. Yeah. And if, if folks, you don't know what ASD is like now, you know, and <laughs> you should <laughs> go there. Definitely <laughs> recommend it's awesome website. Um, self-directed, self-directed.org. Um, and I think I, you know, we always send interested parents there because I think the, the way you guys um, define what, I mean, define, cause it's, it's so subjective too, but define what self-directed learning is and like what the core principles are. And also with this lens of social justice and um, advocating for everyone's rights and freedom. Um, so definitely thank you for, for creating that all you and all the folks behind it. And also I want to shout out, you do these awesome SDE weekends where like amazing humans come together and share their journeys, you know, where they are on their unschooling path. So definitely check out ASDE. And then you have a podcast that I want to shout out too rethinking oh, i'm gonna mess this one up rethinking self-directed education right yeah. i got that cool um you got it and you and david co-host it and it's ton tons of fun and um do you want to share anything about what that experience has been like for you or yeah i mean we're pretty raw on it we were talking about earlier we don't we don't edit very much so it's very much us being us and it was just when thinking about those intersections, we really, like David and I really wanted to have conversations that brought it all in. So can we talk about self-directed education and police brutality at the same time and where those intersect? Yes, it might not, it's not going to appeal to everyone, but that's kind of where our layered thinking is right now and what we really wanted to share. Um, and there's so much more than just that, but that's just like one example of how these ideas intersect for us and what we wanted to bring up. And as as an unschooler, like, I mean, we're all unschoolers. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. as a fellow human that's learning on this earth, um, it seems like you're also having a lot of fun doing it. So that's also a really nice reminder. So what are you, like, what does unschooling look like for you right now? Like you're you're going to be a mom. That's well, you are a mom, but second time giving birth to a human, like, what are you looking forward to in your continued lifelong learning journey? You know, what's interesting is that like, I found myself absorbing information about like birthing and pregnancy and postpartum and all of those things. And I just like naturally was just like listening to podcasts, reading books, talking to friends. And then I realized maybe a couple of weeks in like, oh, I'm doing my unschooling thing that I did as a kid when I like found something new and had all this free time. Um, I have less free time now, but when it's really, really important to you, you make the time for it. And I didn't do it in a like, now I'm going to learn about birth kind of way. It was just, it just happened. And 
then I realized afterwards how much information I was consuming and how much I'd learned. So it was just really cool to have that reminder of when something really speaks to you, how much energy and attention you put into it. Um, but you asked what unschooling will look like for me now. Part of me is like, I just don't actually know. I just don't actually know how I'll feel after the baby comes. I don't know if I want to see people all the time or isolate and not see anyone. I don't know how Raiden, my stepson's going to feel like, and that's, it's okay to not know. So I think for me, part of unschooling is like, I can make a decision right now and it will change later. And I cannot know what I'm going to feel like in two months. And that's okay. Cause we have space for our decisions and ways we live life to shift that's it's like so so lucky that we have space for those shifts to happen yeah and that's I think it's so your experience is so interesting because you have all those angles like you are you know you were brought up as an unschooler and you're an unschooling mom <laughs> also going to convert to a new human unschooler um what is and that's the intersection again right like parenting conscious parenting is such a big part of unschooling and de-schooling like unlearning and relearning a lot of people ask us like why do you talk about all these things you know and uh, what do they say like what's your niche like who's your audience (laughs) and we're like what (laughs) the people that want to break cycles and patterns and want to live freely and question things and Um, so yeah, parenting, like conscious parenting, respectful parenting. I don't know. There's so many terms for it, but how's that going? (laughs) What's, what's hard for you? What's hard? What? Yeah. I don't know what I'm asking. Uh, it's hard. It's harder with the pandemic. I feel like, and I'm sure everyone can relate. And not because my kid's home, because I'm used to having a relationship with my kid. So it's not a stressor to have to have a relationship with my kid. But just because our opportunities to go out have been limited. And then we got so, I think we got so used to staying home that it's hard to describe this. Like for some people, they got really sick of staying home. For other people, it became the safety net. And then starting to go back out into the world and try new things and have new experiences was really hard. And that's already really hard for our son. So kind of the the balance between like supporting him and nudging him because we're not going to stay at home and do the same thing our whole lives forever. We actually have to like take risks. As, at, like as humans, we have to go out and take risks sometimes in life just in general. So the balance for him between being really supportive of his needs and nudging him to go out and take risks has been hard in the transition. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also dealing with my own feelings about COVID and seeing people again. And, and obviously this has been like a two year transition. So it's not like we're not seeing any people still, but it just feels like we're still in that space where like, what is life like right now? I mean, it's, confusing it's hard it's just like yeah. changing every single day yeah we never know and, it, and we're, it's not over it's just continuing no. and I'm like is this the new new is this what it's going to be right. now and so I, I I have a question for you Bria because I love thinking about fuck-ups and I also mm-hmm. I like it so much because because I kind of want to 
I want to de-school our fear around making mistakes and fucking up. And I think that for parents, especially, it's so hard because there's like this, this very weird, perfect parent floating over us, like this, this perfect parent that doesn't exist, but that we kind of project the everything. The parent on. ghost? The perfect parent ghost. And so I feel that many parents have a hard time like even acknowledging the fuck ups because it's it can be so shameful and so just you know the guilt and the and we we messed up like we have the perfect parent ghost and we 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 messed up and we can't because the ghost is there to tell us that we're bad parents and so like I was wondering if you have some interesting juicy fuck up that you would like to share with us and you don't have to, but if you do, because when people share their fuck ups, it is so healing for the rest of us. I love that you're saying fuck up so much because earlier when I said mess up, I'm like, do they swear? Um, yeah, we're big yeah, on cursing. I, <laughs> I'm trying to think, or maybe if it's, if you can't think of a particular fuck up, like as a unschooling parent, like something that, that you're really working hard to maybe de-school you're thinking around. I mean, you kind of you brought up some stuff, but anything that's really challenging for you as a, as a parent. Yeah. I think with Raiden, it's like, and him, his dad and I talk about this a lot. He has some people pleasing tendencies and it's really hard because we don't want to push on those. So if we ask him to do something or if we get frustrated that something isn't happening that collectively the household kind of needs, um, for example, like bringing dishes downstairs so we actually have our dishes. Um, if we get frustrated about that and we approach him a certain way, he gets really down on himself. Mm. And we don't want to trigger that like shame guilt response because that's not we're not trying to make him feel that way we're just saying like hey this is how this affects the household could you pay more attention to it it's really hard for us when we're completely out of dishes and we have to remember to remind you of these things but that message lands differently for people who different personalities and for him it lands as like self-guilt self-shaming and it feels like every time we say it, it almost feels like a fuck up. But then I'm like, but how do you say it instead? Like, is there any other way to say it? Or is this just something we're working through together? And I remind myself to usually, I think it's helpful for me to talk afterwards about like, when you make a mistake or forget something, it has nothing to do with who you are. And we're not disappointed in you as a person. We're just bringing it up because it's something that we need in this household and we want to let you know, but it has nothing to do with how we feel about you as a human being. So mm. remembering to like bring that into it afterwards. Mm. And I don't, I don't remember that enough, I think. Yeah, this is a, I mean, it's so beautiful to hear this process. And I think, you know, like you said, all of our kids and every human has a personality and has a configuration that is so different. And so, and that's the beauty of diversity, right? But it also means that different people need different things. And I've seen sometimes in unschooling, especially in like unschooling communities 
where there's almost like this unschooling dogma of like how it needs to be. Like it needs to be one certain way. You need to like talk to the kids in one certain way, use a certain tone of voice or, you know, have a rhythm of the day and certain thing and not take into account the personalities. And so, and the different needs. And so I think it's a really beautiful example of how you're putting into practice, like really, um, I don't know, like observe, like observing your son and trying to adjust accordingly and not fall into that one way of doing things. Yeah. It's hard for me. It's hard, but it's also not hard. Like I sometimes forget people aren't me, I guess is a way to put it. Like, for example, I like to do a bunch of stuff, try a bunch of new things. I like last minute plans. And Raiden does not like last minute plans. He needs to hear it in advance. He doesn't, it's harder for him to want to try a bunch of different things at the same time. And I know that we're very different, but then sometimes I'm just like, why is he this? And I get trapped in that, like, I don't understand because that's not how I would think. And I have to bring myself back and be like, no, he's not you. He doesn't like that. And that's okay and totally valid him to want something completely different um so I feel like it's just easy to go to the thinking that matches with what we want and then you have to like consciously remind yourself to come out of that and be like they're they're not me no one else is going to think the way I do yeah it's like a retraining of your mind total retraining yeah like learning how to look at everybody's needs Yeah, just our own. Yeah, it's. But I think you know one thing that I also appreciate about you, Bria, is like when you share about your your personal life, like on social media and stuff. It's like we can't understand other people's needs, right? Unless we understand our own. And what I've come to learn about you through learning about your life through social media and stuff is that you take a lot of time to like go to your vegan restaurants and like you know. do do all your birth plan you know birth prep work and like that it's not you're not like I don't know like falling into this place of parenting where you like lose yourself as a parent so that Mm. you can meet your needs it seems like you're doing a really good job at that (laughs) um and I don't know if if there's anything that helps you to be able to meet your needs and not burn out in this work I think it would be super helpful for people to hear that if there's anything that's helpful for you. Yeah, that is the other side of things, right? Because especially, and you talked about unschooling dogma earlier. I think some unschooling dogma would say, like unschooling parenting would say, like just do everything your kids want, (laughs) meet all of their needs, and then you lose your own. It's not healthy because you're getting so stressed probably I would assume and because you're modeling to your kids that people should ignore their own needs for other people and that's not what you want to show your kids um exactly yeah for bringing that up because I think it's really really vital it is and I think we forget it because we have that perfect parent ghost (laughs) (laughs) it's hard it's been hard for me to ask for help and ask for what I need Mm. historically it's easier for me to ask for what other people want and what I can do for them I think my partner has really worked on that with me and 
it's been helpful to just like challenge myself to say like, well, just ask, like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? They're going to say, no, I can't help you with that. Or no, that day doesn't work. But just telling myself, like, just ask and see what happens. Just state the need and see how you can creatively make it work. Like you both know when you have to be with your kids 24 seven, or like if they're not old enough to be on your own, on their own, you, it's a lot to figure out how you can even leave for a few hours in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and now Raiden can be on his own a little bit more, but before it just felt like I am in this place unless I say, Hey, partner, can you stay home so I can do this thing? And it just felt so hard to ask someone else to do that. So just like practicing small asks has been really mm-hmm. important for me. I love that. Practicing small asks. Yeah. Beautiful. And it takes that awareness of yourself too. Right? Like, Oh, I have a problem doing this. I need some help you know and I guess that's where community comes into play too you know and you brought this up like there there's wonderful blossoming online community of unschooling de-schooling folks so I mean anybody that says that they have the answer and everything is like perfect in their world is bullshitting actually probably (laughs) so I think having you know ASDE and just all the podcasts and all the people that are doing this work, um, just staying connected. So Bria, I feel so grateful for the time with you. I want to be mindful of your, your, your body. And maybe, I don't know if, if you want to kind of wrap it up here and like, I don't know what needs you have around that, but is there anything you want to talk about before we wrap it up? I don't think so. I think, I mean, there's always more things to talk about, <laughs> yeah. but I think we, covered a lot of different ideas and I just really appreciate your questions and thoughtfulness and everything you're sharing. Yeah, it's been amazing having you, Bria. Um, As I shared in the beginning, before we started recording, you and I, we've been in touch for years now, but I had never really talked to you. We've just been emailing. So finally connecting like this just feels really, really good. Yeah. And we appreciate your work so much. Thank you. (laughs) what you all are doing and all the new de-schooling focus you have it's just really exciting to see more people building community around that yeah I mean we need each other right like we definitely it can't be done in a vacuum it's like through sharing the stories and all of that so um, thank you for being part of this In the next episode of Radical Learning Talks, we talk about a hard side of unschooling. When our de-schooling work takes us into a process where we can't or shouldn't remedy or fix anything, even if we'd really like to, but instead we need to sit with the discomfort of, this really sucks. It's in that discomfort where the opportunity of growth and transformation lies. Stay tuned.